right, welcome to the Steve-O and Goody podcast. We just want to take an opportunity this real quick to welcome you. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the trials and tribulations of a couple of particularly good-looking hunters. Traipsing <laughs> <laughs> around the Australian bush. Too young, very good-looking, and tall. Yeah, tall. <laughs> and freakishly tall. <laughs> Americans who are trapped down in the and uh, our experiences living over here and hunting here and elsewhere around the world. We're going to get on with that today, so stay tuned. It's the Steve-O and Goody Show, live from... Well, we're not really live. We're but... not even close to live. In fact, by the time you're hearing this, we may even be dead. <laughs> so, hey, Goody. Hey, how, how you going, going buddy? Doing well. That's good, man. So, how's, um, how's life treating you? Doing how's business? Right. Doing all right, right? Doing all right. right? Yeah, yeah. Got some potential new business today. Very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, gonna bed some stuff down. Got to do. We'll have to do a, probably a proposal in the next week or two. But looking forward to. It. How about you, mate? How's school? School's all right. Um, got a couple of jobs. Well, a couple more jobs because I need more jobs. Because right. planning to go to Africa. Very exciting. Which is pretty exciting. Um, so I've been trying to trying to save up some money. So I've got a second and a third job now. Nice. nice. And uh, my business. Any of them involve selling ass on the corner, or is that? The, the mule industry is is really it's really kind of elevated in the last couple of months, so there could be a little bit of that. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, um, no, it's been good, uh, you know, because I'm planning on going to Africa, and and what made me decide, hey, you know, what, I really want to go to Africa, mm-hmm. is by talking to a really good friend of mine, um, Josh Campbell, who effectively we're having on the show today. Oh, this is, yeah, because he's he's come back from Africa. Yeah, he's just come back from Africa. Um, so we're we're keen to get him on the show and. Um, we had a good chat with him. Yeah. So it's good for the, the listeners to get a get a piece of that. It's yeah. a really good uh, good discussion for them. So living living vicariously through some of my friends who just got back from Africa, I'm I'm pretty darn keen to get there and, and I talked to the wife and she's like, Yeah, that's cool. So she's like, save up some money. So I I got a second and a third job at the moment, working for the university and also working for another school. And then obviously still running my company and um, selling some stuff on the corner there, but yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Uh, and um, yeah, but it's interesting. I don't, I don't know how you, your business tends to be a little bit more. You're, you're 100 focused on your business. You don't have anything else really going on aside from our podcast. No, no, no. And my family, obviously, but that's right. So I'm, I'm trying to ignore them. Yeah. Not, so for me, I'm, I'm trying to have a real go at my business, and it, okay. and it's a struggle because I'm a full time student. Yeah, yeah. And now I've got two other jobs. And I've got three young children yeah. and, and a wife who's also in school doing her, her master's degree. And so, you know, it's, it's hard because I find personally it's either like I'm either in a drought or I'm in a flood. Yeah. So I was like, I'll go like two months without a single customer. But then I'll have like 20, 85 people saying I want. Yeah, 20, 25 orders on a desk within a day. Like, oh, how am I going to get all these built? Yeah. You know, so because I I do custom bowstrings and um, I do a lot of archery work, um, a lot of mechanic style work and, and stuff like that. So, but I find that it's it's feast or famine, man. Yeah, it's feast or famine. Nice. So, but yeah, like I said, I'm saving up. I'm saving up for Africa. Nice. And then nice. you you and I have been talking a little bit about maybe yeah. going together next year. Yeah, absolutely, maybe, absolutely. Maybe we'll have to do a, a podcast from Africa. Oh, that'd be cool. I mean, it would suck because we'd have to haul all the stuff around. I'm not hauling it around. We'll do it on a phone. <laughs> we'll do it on a phone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what it sounds. I'm not hauling. This yeah. Trust me, because I've been there. and I've You don't want any excess baggage. But it'll be cool hmm. to do the podcast. I think it'll be a lot of fun. 
I, I think we could do it. We could probably we could probably figure out a way to do it through like iPads or something. I'm sure we can figure something out. Right? Yeah. So Challenge the question me. is: Do you do you, do do the, do the listeners want to hear us do a podcast from Africa? So, listeners, if you want to hear us do a podcast from Africa, get on our Facebook page, which is Steve O and Goody's Hunting Comedy Podcast, or send us an email at Steve and Goody at gmail.com. That's S T E V O E and Goody G O D Y at gmail.com. Let us know. Let us know what you think. And, and, and maybe if we can think about it, not so much as to whether you think you want, do you want to hear us do a podcast from Africa, but maybe we do like a survey. Like, where would you want to hear a podcast from? So, Africa. Safari Club International show, a strip joint. Uh-huh. Your mom's like, house. My mom's house. <laughs> Put it in there. If you like us to come <laughs> to do a live podcast near from, you. From your mom's house. <laughs> from your mom's house. In her basement. That's it. In your mom's basement. That's right. Give we us can a weed. She's we can hang out. Steve has got plenty of and um See, I don't I don't know. See, I I've heard I've heard mm-hmm. that if you take like the old toilet rolls. And you shove some dryer sheets in there that you don't have to worry as much about the smell, so your parents won't smell it upstairs when it, when it comes up. You just exhale through that dryer sheets. Nice. I, I don't know how I know that. I just I heard it. Yeah, one, a vicious rumor. I heard it one time, and a guy who lived from a guy who lived in an apartment complex. <laughs> yes. So yeah, but I, I don't know much about. It. Okay, well, let's let, yeah. Yeah. I've heard vicious rumors. Vicious about rumors. Yeah. So, so. so the conversation with young Josh, I think, will be an entertaining one. He's a Pretty impressive young man if you look at his background. Very impressive. Yeah, I suspect he's. I'm I'm afraid to shoot with him because we're 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 talking about maybe a hunt down the track and I'm afraid because I know I know when I get there he'll be like hey let's go shoot some guns and I'll be like ooh yeah I can shoot a gun but not like you buddy. I have a 22. Which is Josh. So we'll we'll be having Josh on very shortly here in the next couple of minutes and we'll get him on for an interview and um, just give you a little background on Josh. He's um, just gotten out of the the military and worked over overseas and private security yeah. and in Afghanistan. Law enforcement. Yeah. 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 He's, he's huge fan of Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. He's huge fan. Huge fan. In yeah. fact, I think he, I, I, we couldn't really shut him up in expressing his positive view toward yeah. that inspirational young man known yeah. as Colin Kaepernick. By the way, who do you, who do you, who do you go for in, in college ball? To be honest, I never really followed up. My problem with college football was occasionally you'd get a good game. Like Michigan, Ohio, or Notre Dame, and whatever. But most of the games are like Notre Dame versus like East Tennessee Junior College, and <laughs> it's like eight hundred and yeah, eight hundred and fifty-one to seven. So yeah. I never got really into it. I, I suppose I suppose it'd be Ohio State or Michigan, which is kind of funny because you can't be one or the other. No, you can't. They're kind of the closest. I guess Penn State, maybe. Why not? Okay. Nittany Lions, but I haven't watched them in years, so I. It's only yeah. I can't go. My university, that team sucked. Was awful, like had the worst one of the worst losing streaks in NCAA history, and I just can't do it. I'm a University of Michigan guy. I that that's my team. That's always been my team. It will always be my team, but I don't watch NFL anymore. Is that because of the whole Neil? The no, no. I I, I quit watching NFL a long time ago. That cemented the fact that I wasn't going to do it again mm-hmm. with the whole um, Kaepernick's kneeling, and you know I I have no issue with people. Um, doing peaceful protests, which is exactly what he's doing. And I have no issue with his protest. I don't even care that much about the way he's protesting. What I care about is if I were to protest at work on the clock, I'd be fine. You're, out. You're gone. Yeah. And so I don't think that should be any different. 
Yeah, no, I agree for him. And I think I think a lot of more commentators. Yeah. Is he is he running down the street and no, no, training cars yeah. over and setting stuff on fire and hitting people and hurting people? No, absolutely not. And I think that he has the absolute right to do what he's doing. However, I think that on the clock, yeah. if you're going to step up to the big boys and swing the bat, you got to be willing to, yeah. to to take the consequences. Of what's going to happen? And, and I think I think more commentators have said it better than I. But I think. You're absolutely right. If if you want to protest, make good on you. That's what America was founded on, essentially, the yeah. protest. While we're talking about uh, Kaepernick getting this new endorsement deal from from Nike, I think that I think it's important to to realize that Nike is probably shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. A lot of people, in, like a lot of guys from the U.S., they think it's like, oh, they're going to lose 63 million customers. Well, at the same time, every country in the world, people wear Nikes. So I don't think it's going to be quite the impact they think it's going to be, but I think it's definitely going to make an impact. Oh, oh look, they... Does it work well for Dick Sports? They're, they're yeah. going to... Yeah, well... <laughs> Who's yeah. no longer Dick Sports. But, but I think the um, I think the other thing, too, is that they're clearly targeting a particular demographic that they think is going to be more lucrative in a, in a higher growth category than the demographic that they're losing by doing this. It's a pure marketing decision. Yeah. Uh, my reason, I won't buy them for a range of reasons, but I certainly wouldn't buy products now from Nike. Right. And see, I've always been a Nike guy, but I, I, I lately, particularly in, here in Australia, the, the cost of Nikes is ridiculous. Yeah, the markups are crazy here. But um, I, I won't wear them anymore because of, because of all that. I, I just think it's, it's a poor way to invest. It's a poor way and to And I think invest. it's a cultural statement. I, 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 my issue with Colin Kaepernick is not that he's protesting. It's, I don't agree with the content of his protest. I think there's a lot of things that, mm-hmm. he does, that, that are very simplistic kind of statements and I don't think he's he or his supporters have really looked at a lot of the data. And when you break a lot of the data down relating to what he's talking about, it just seems bizarre to me. And it's hard for me to take yeah. the protestations of a multimillionaire, right, who's been supported by the then president at the time, and all of the kind of liberal kind of elite, to look at him as a Muhammad Ali, which is kind of what he's being compared to now. Muhammad Ali, you know, stood up for something very clearly and sacrificed the best fighting years of his life specifically for that. Colin Kaepernick was a mediocre quarterback who just didn't get signed again. He was a bench sitter. So like he didn't even. That's what I'm saying. He's mediocre at best. But while we're talking about the 49ers, mm-hmm. I think it's appropriate that in, in the last 24 hours that um, we probably need to just make uh, a reference to about. Um, Jason Harrison, yeah. who was a former NFL linebacker, yeah. linebacker, yeah, for the 49ers as well as the Broncos, mm. um, and that he he passed away in the last 24 hours after coming home from a sheep hunt. They're saying the diagnosis was that he had chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, which is the CTE, yeah, the disease that um, uh, relates to football players, NFL players. Yeah. So it, what was it, that movie? A concussion with concussion, Will Smith. Yeah. I think it was the story of how that kind of got discovered by a Nigerian doctor who, oh, who was the Pittsburgh Steeler? Not Lambert. Oh, I can't remember his name. I can picture him, but yeah, it, he was. It, it started with his autopsy, and I think the and again, I'm not a doctor, but the the medical condition is that the brain, because of all all Being the force and, and the forth, traumatic yeah. kind of coup contra coup injuries. Yes. Um, basically looks like the brain of somebody who's got severe dementia, even though they're young. So it's, he's basically it's the brain of an 83 or 85-year-old or something. And this guy obviously sounds like he had it. He said in the article that I read that he had some of the symptoms, 
but not obviously the the worst. And I think the worst generally relate to a lot of um, emotional issues, yeah. suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. um, a, a whole range of mental health issues as well, a lot of violence as well as mm. physical ailments. So maybe that cracked it. I don't know. I mean, yeah. who knows? There's a lot of rumors and stories kind of going around about what actually happened uh, from suicide to an accident to all kinds of stuff. But um, it does, I guess at the end of the yeah, day, it doesn't really matter. It's just some a, a person has lost their life, and, and that's something that we just want to say. So we just want to reach out and say hey to their family and just say, hey, you know, our thoughts and prayers are out with you today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, yeah, Jason was, was a heck of a guy and the founder of Cooey uh, Camouflage. Actually worked in the administration for President Trump as well. Apparently, good friends with Donald Trump Jr. Yeah, they hunted. I, I don't. I, I don't remember him as a football player. I, mean, I didn't follow the, the Niners, but I, I don't because he's roughly my vintage. Yeah. So I, I don't. I don't remember him at all. So I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I vaguely, vaguely remember him, but that was kind of right around the time that I kind of stopped watching NFL football. And so my purpose for not watching NFL football is, I, I would prefer to watch college ball because. One, they're not being paid to run out of bounds, <laughs> like, you know, Deion Sanders and some of the other guys, you know, but more because they're not being paid to play. They're, they're, they're playing because they want to make the NFL, they want, to, they want to play the game, and I find that the games are better. Mm. Like, they're trying a lot harder. It's okay. not a whole bunch of guys just taking turns running out of bounds. Okay, and, interesting. You know, I, yeah, I, I, that's, I, that's why I like it. Yeah, no, I, I, I like College ball because of the pageantry and all that stuff as well, but I, I didn't like it enough to watch it regularly. And I remember where the periods where I would. I love the tailgate parties too for college ball. Where I went to uni, mate. I know I went to the game. I just can't remember anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember starting smoking weed at the beginning. I remember the next day getting drunk or high and being told we went to a game. Was that back when you were a pretty hard lefty? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of interesting that you're... Your, your your pot smoking era kind of ended as you shifted right. Yeah. Although I was still a lefty after I got sober. So, but it, yeah, it, it eventually stopped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting because we're going to have this conversation pretty soon with, with Josh, former police officer in law enforcement. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see what his take is on your, your past drug interactions. Yes, we'll see. We'll see. Indeed. Have you ever dreamed of hunting Africa, but you thought it was just out beyond your reach? Red Sand Safaris is situated in the heart of the Bushveld in the Lampopo province of South Africa. With plentiful hunting opportunities in the African bush, along with its diverse bird life and natural beauty, Red Sands is a must for any adventurous hunter. Red Sands boasts a wide range of game, from the smallest and tiny of Steenbach to the mighty and dangerous Cape Buffalo. At Red Sand Safari, they don't only cater for rifle shooters, but they also cater for the bow hunter. So no matter what kind of hunting you're into, they've got you covered. All you need is a spirit of adventure and good aim. Welcome to Red Sand Safaris, where professional hunter and outfitter Neil Becker will work with you on a personal level, one-on-one, to make sure that you have the exact hunt that you are looking for. If you're keen on getting this Africa dream going, contact us directly at contact.rssafaris, all one word, at gmail.com. And remember to leave us the country that you're living in so that we can get you out the correct brochure and price list. Is it time to make some dreams happen? I think it is. 
I'll be out there next year. Will you? So we've got our first guest, uh, Josh Campbell from Kansas in the United States. And uh, we're going to talk to him about his recent um, hunt over in Africa and a few other little bits and pieces. And several petting zoos. But we'll several petting later. zoos and maybe his mom. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, or, or at least we're going to talk about your mom, Goody. Yeah, so, why uh, not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, welcome, man. We're excited. I've, we've been planning this for weeks yeah, now, yeah. so I'm, I'm so happy. That's good. That's great. Yeah, so let's just talk about you a little bit, Josh. Um, I, I know you pretty well, but nobody else does, including my partner, Goody, over here. Yeah. So, um, tell us uh, about yourself, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself, um, particularly, you know, your job previous to the one you have now and the one you have now. How about the one you have now? Yeah, the one you have now. Uh, okay, uh, just real quick history on me. Uh, born and raised here in Kansas, uh, hunting, shooting, fishing, I mean, just an outdoor and general kind of guy. Shortly uh, after high school, graduated and uh, joined the army here in the u.s and uh had a short 14 year career in the army oh, wow. um a couple of hunting trips overseas uh, you know all in all spent about four years overseas during different times in my career fast forward to november 2015 my career was abruptly ended due to some medical stuff so uh got out actually joined law enforcement here in kansas for about a year um realized that wasn't going to pay the bills like me and the wife needed, so kind of missed it. So I signed back up to go back over to Afghanistan as a civilian and did some overseas security contract for a little over a year and then got back home last October where I now live the exciting life as a uh, rural water operations guy. I'm just making sure everybody's got, you know, good potable water and kind of what's near and dear to my heart is just taking care of people, serving people, and you know, I don't have to worry about getting shot at as much. Um, depending, on, depending on whose water I'm shutting off, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, depending on whose water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you shut the wrong person's water off, the game over. But you always got to be ready. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, lived kind of an interesting past 17 years, really. You know, kind of had a lot of fun, had a lot of ups, downs, and here we are now. You and I have been friends since about October, pretty much since you got home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been on... Because you weren't, you weren't uh, working water yet when we, we met. You just got in the job not long after we met. Yeah, I got back, let's see, the end of October, I guess. And then I actually started my job doing what I'm doing now in the beginning of November, or December, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did law enforcement for a year, did you say, after you got Yeah, I did, did law enforcement here in Kansas. Uh, you know, okay. actually, right now, I'm still a fully certified law enforcement officer here in Kansas, although I'm not you know, affiliated with any agency. So, I mean, I don't have okay. any authority, but, you know, I can okay. go back at, you know, a lo- local law enforcement um, agency and be good to go right now. So, so you're yeah, a military yeah, guy, a military guy, law enforcement. So you're a big fan of Nike right now, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tell us how you really it, feel right? about Hashtag about just do it, huh? <laughs> Got some Nike toilet paper right now, so pretty, nice, pretty big man. fan of that. Excellent. Well, it's, um, it's interesting how that whole issue is, is portrayed in the media here. Because I would imagine, without knowing your politics, you're probably more conservative than not. Uh, and it's interesting that the you know, the media here in Australia is by far more left-leaning than... Yeah. It's not even... It's not left-leaning. It's it's tipped upside down. Yeah. We've got... It's ridiculous. Our, our, our I'll be honest. I mean, you know, you turn on the news here, and I mean, that's all you see. And I get, I get tired of it, so I don't even watch the news hardly anymore. Uh, okay. um, yeah, you know, maybe. I lived part of the news for so long. It's just like, eh, yeah. you know, why do I need to watch it now? Um, regardless of whether I watch it or not, it's not going to change anything. 
you know, everybody's got their views, everybody's got their, their way of viewing and uh, the way of dealing with things. And, you know, I fought for a long time to provide that for people. And I mean, I'm not going to intervene with the way they do it, you know, unless they step on the flag in front of me, then that'll be a different issue. Yeah. So you did uh, the military. You, you see, you mentioned before that you went overseas to hunt during that time. Was that part of like when you were in a particular location for your military service and you got time off? You went hunting? Is that how Oh, no, no. That you... was that was actually deployments. But I was just, I was men- made mention of hunting, quote unquote. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That hunting. Sorry. Yeah. He was hunting. Yeah, yeah. I got He wasn't you hunting four legged yeah. critters. Hunt- he yeah, was yeah. hunting the two legged critters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tough to put on the trophy so, wall, by the way. Hunting and being <laughs> hunted. Yeah, yeah. Yes. What was your job over there? Uh, I was just a plain old ground pounder, infantry guy. When I, my first. Real deployment. Let's see. Yeah, 2006. I would have been a 23 year old uh, platoon sergeant. So oh. you know, it, running an infantry platoon around the streets of Baghdad at that time. Mm. Oh wow! Sure. You've been around the block a bit. Uh, I'm trying to think. Too many times. I'm 35, but I feel 70. We well, don't sign a day over 60, mate. So it's all yeah. right. it's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny because I think of my life at 23. And I think my biggest responsibility was where I was going to buy weed. Like I can't, I, yeah. I can't imagine actually yeah. being responsible for a group of people, yeah, yeah. right? Like that was... So, so <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. It's it's funny because then you know, fast forward, go to law enforcement academy, and here I am, you know, sitting in the back of the class at like thirty, I think it was thirty three or thirty four at that time. You know, I'm sitting in the back of the class looking at all these kids. And, you know, they're 21 because you got to be 21 to be a certified law enforcement officer. And, you know, I want to judge them. and be like, man, where you guys been? Under a rock, you know? But then I rewind and I'm like, wait a second. My 22, 23-year-old life was not yeah. typical, you know? So yeah. kind of had to take a step back and just realize I was the old man. That's a, it's a sad realization, mate. Steve, I was going through that at university and I'm going through it at work. Yeah. yeah. That's terrible. So, yeah. Wow. We were yeah. young once, mate. We, we were young once. You and I had a very similar upbringing, Josh. But uh, Goody over here, <laughs> not, I, I, not from the same cloth. No, mate. I uh, just to give you a quick bit of background. I I grew up in the the hunting mecca in the U.S. called Connecticut. Oh, nice. New York. Nice, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So I. <laughs> yeah. Very different view on a lot of things. Yeah. Mate. And it's Definitely. Because I've I've shifted left to right over my. Hey, congratulations life. and welcome. Yeah. Initially by trade, Goody's a lawyer. Cheers. Yeah, I'm a lawyer by background. Whoa, I'm in whoa. Political office in the US for a little while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm very different kettle of fish. Family of lefties. Um, my cousin and I are the first conservatives that came out, and it was actually quite funny because um, their view of everything was it's just something we did wrong. Like right. you know yeah. the stereotype oh, yeah. of like you're like you're like the first straight couple out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it. that's it. That's it. I remember it. It was very funny. So I, I have a very different view. Yeah, like a coming out and everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. So, anyway. So So my view on military used to be very different. That's why I think at 23, it's pretty impressive that you were running a platoon. Like, that's bloody... That's well, I mean, by, by that uh, point, though, I mean, I'd already put in a lot of work. You know, my first day uh, of basic training was 9-11. So for a guy that joined the Army to do the job, I mean, it really wasn't... You know, I didn't join to get away from anything. I didn't join for college money. I, I joined to do a job, and so that kind yeah. of es- you know wow. um, escalated Jeez. the situation a little bit and advanced the uh, process yeah. of that. Jeez, mate! I remember that day. That was a- oh man, I think it, I don't. I was living in Australia at the time, and I remember that day very clearly. It's very. I lost two. Well, because you think about that area, that's where I grew up. Yeah, that's a close area, definitely. I lost a couple of friends from high school. My college roommate was in the building, but lived. 
but I think he's kind of emotionally quite messed up. So yeah, definitely. It's a very emotional thing, and it, it's good to hear that you uh, you took some action. And I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm committed to the cause in the country, and you joined the service. Yeah, well, good I mean, stuff, I'd, I'd actually signed the papers a year prior to that and, then, you know, left shortly before that for basic and then you know my yeah. day one of basic was 9-11 so that that kind of oh, set everything wow. in stone and you know kind of built the life that Ooh. i know today you know that's that the anniversary's coming up actually yeah. this time of year is yeah. always tough i think for everybody yep. but um anyways well, let's let's move on to africa yeah, man. Because hunting, that's what i'm here about. to talk about military 9-11 and colin kaepernick let's talk hunting. now let me I want to hear your entire Africa trip. Like, I want to hear about your preparation, which, you know, you, you can talk about the stuff that you and I talked about ahead of time uh, by Messenger stuff as well. Okay. Um, but I really I really want to hear about the Elon. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Because um, I saw the video the afterwards, and it was like, what did you do? Yeah. I mean, it you know? is. And I was man, just like, I, I want to hear all about that Just start to finish. Experience. I mean, just such a great experience. Um, let's just rewind back to november around thanksgiving here um last year you know matt team i hunt fit coach put it up on the facebook page hey you got two slots for uh africa who's who's down you know who wants to go and um <laughs> took it to my wife we were at her parents for uh the holidays and uh, ah, i said hey babe the big question hey babe yeah. check this out <laughs> and uh you know we we know it was a it was a good deal it was a promotional deal so she said hey save me some money and go i'm like what <laughs> so uh Actually, I had plane tickets bought before we even made it back home just to ensure I was good. Um, so his wife's a lot nicer than yours, Giddy. Oh, hey, my wife would just... No, no, no. I'm lucky to get out the door every day without her disapproving something. So good work there, yeah. man. Good yeah. work. If you get your missus on well, board... I got her because she idea. thought I was going to save money and then game over after that. But um, no, so, uh, you know, fast forward probably about a week or two, you know, I found out Andrew Marlin from the team was... Uh, the other guy that got picked up to go. So, uh, you know, me and him, you know, started communicating, you know, via Facebook, Messenger, whatever, um, text, phone. So we've never met each other and just started dialing in on, you know, what each other. We tried to get Andrew on the podcast here with you, but he's, yeah, up, he's, he's up in the mountains. He's out, on a he's bad out in remote okay. wilderness right yeah. now trying to trying to redeem himself. So, nice. uh, but... So, Josh, was this your first yeah, international yeah. hunt? Your first hunt yeah. outside of the U.S.? Well, your your yep. first four-legged international yeah, hunt. Yeah, your first four-legged okay, cool. Excellent. Yeah, so Andrew and I Excellent. started dialing in, um, you know, coordinated our flights to where me and him would meet in Atlanta and then, you know, head over on the same flights. You know, with him being in Arizona, me being in Kansas, without living next to each other or near each other, we couldn't really coordinate any training or preparation together. Um, so we just kind of went on our own. As far as preparation for me, it all started with equipment. You know, going back to my military days, you're only good as your equipment is, you know. So I've got a Bowtech Invasion that I've had since 2011, 2012. Jake likes Blowtechs too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. You love the blowtech. I was going to make an inappropriate comment, Josh, but I think you could kill me, so I won't. <laughs> Put it up against any any current bow right now. But, uh, yeah, I sent that thing in, got new strings, got it all, all tuned in, all dialed in. You know, put a new stabilizer on it and just what I wanted to make sure was, you know, none of my equipment failed me when I got down there. What, uh, what uh, heads the did you two use? Two-blade, 125-grain VPAs. And I bought the three blade VPAs as well, but I couldn't get them dialed in with the two blades. So I actually tried. I actually tried several different brands to just get them dialed in. Tech, G5 Montex, mm -hmm. um, which I'd used in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, I used Rage typically here in Kansas, but I just wanted. I didn't want anything to fail. 
I never had them fail. I love Rage, but yeah. I'll go fixed instead of mechanical. So, uh, and Josh, I just want you to hold on for a minute because I'm looking at Steve-O right now with a certain <laughs> sense of pride and vindication because we've had a heated discussion. You, you need about to listen to the previous podcast. Listen to one of our previous podcasts because I'm passionate about two blades in, in Australia, particularly because yeah. there's a lot of tough game here. And a lot of penetration with the two blades, though. So I'm glad. Um, Thank you. Goody actually lived yeah. in Africa for a year. Yeah, so, and, and the pH that I worked for, so kind of the equivalent of yeah, Neil. Yeah, no, 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 a professional that. hunter for the people yeah, who so are yeah, not yeah. from Africa. He was more, more old school in the sense of no three blades. And again, I'm, I'm, I think there's some three blades that'll work, but certainly no mechanicals. Like his view was, don't bring those yeah. things here. I don't want to see them. He was very passionate about it. So go on. So you had... You uh, guys go talk to Neil. On, he likes Rage. Um, he likes... Uh -huh. Actually, my three blade that I ended up getting dialed in with my two blades was the uh, Muzzy Trocar 125 grains. And, I mean, they were dead on with my two okay. blades. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to shy away from that, you know. So I took just a couple options with me. Um, and the weights were actually a little bit oh. different. Um, you know, kind of funny, but I was using the uh, Vape TKO um, shafts and... I was getting about a 450 to 475 grain difference, you know. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't using too wow. heavy of arrows, you know, especially for Africa. But being as we were hunting uh, the plains game, is a little bit different than like the big five or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you got more flexibility there, absolutely. Once I got down, I mean, I didn't start shooting. Let's see, August 6th is when we left. I probably started shooting heavy around July 1st. I started shooting about 20 arrows a night. Um, you know, just to, just to get dialed, you know, dialed in, get back in the routine, get back in the muscle memory, you know, just shooting again. Uh, and I was shooting out to 50 yards. Neil told me that 30 yards and in was, was going to be the, uh, you know, average shot out there. So I figured if I can hit it 50, I can hit it 30. Okay. Very sensible. Very sensible. I happen to agree with that philosophy. Um, so yeah, I mean, it all happened pretty quick once it started rolling. Um, you know, I already had the passport, already had all that obviously, but, uh, August 6th came, you know, had got loaded up, had everything dialed in, way overpacked, um, not knowing what to expect. Met Andrew in Atlanta, and away we went for South Africa. So, so did it, was the um, flight from Atlanta straight to Joburg? No, no, it was straight in. It was about a 15 and a half hour flight. So Straight to Joburg? Yeah, did Joburg. You go to London. Okay. 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 So, uh, nice. Excellent. And, and the poundage on the boat? Yeah, 70. 70. Yep. Okay. Yep. So you're ready to go, mate. It sounds like you um you had a pretty strict regime in terms of getting prepped for the the trip, and then you were obviously focused on the gear you yeah. had, and then you went over. Just a quick question for you, because it's actually something I haven't asked you since we did it. How did you find when you were trying to sort out your arrow stuff with me? Yep. And we were kind of going through, and I put all the stuff in the system for you. How, how'd that work out for you? Uh, it worked out great. Um, I ended up going with the 300 spine uh, vape TKOs, and man, those things are deadly just absolutely deadly with those those broadhead combinations um super super fast and i mean just such a flat shooting combo goody and i have some arguments about about spines and weights yeah. and yeah. things like that and prices i i come from a family of eastern european um a certain so ethnic rich. group that's oh, known no. for being cheap <laughs> well, no no not quite yeah. cheap is probably a better word um and my whole clan is kind of known for being cheap. So every time Steve, hey, I got this great arrow, I always can get them cheaper, and it's a different brand. However, my arrows on sale right now this yeah. month for seventy bucks a dozen. Man, I've already got all the ones I'm going to get. So you could actually arrows. get some decent arrows. I could, but I'm not gonna. Yeah. Now you know what? I've got this whole thing where 
I don't like to overspend. This is the rub. Yeah. Plus, I've got a wife who's of Dutch descent, and they're notoriously cheap. So between my ethnic <laughs> so background how do you and hers, it's lucky I spend any money at all. That's a very good question. <laughs> it like, seems to be the one thing she lets me do. Yeah, it's the one thing she lets me do. Spear? Oh, don't. No, no, no. No, 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 he uh, shoots a blow tick, just like yeah. You. I shoot a blow tick. That's the funny thing. But no, I blow tick in The reason my wife, I suspect, lets me hunt and spend <laughs> no, yeah, not a dog. Oh no, please. You're probably using no, like a reason... cheap bear or something that you go down and get. This at your local store. Yeah, you really need to listen to the previous podcast. Yeah, because I trash on him about his gear. Yeah, Goody has a lot of homemade gear on his bow. <laughs> he's got a bow. He's got a bow tech and a Matthews. So I spend the money on the bows themselves, right. but I'm not. But everything else is pretty hey, much homemade. Hey, the, the key is as long as long as it ethically takes animals, that's what matters. So uh, to answer the question about how pretty I pretty shade go, tree bow mechanics. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and the reason I'm allowed to go hunting, I suspect, is my wife keeps inviting the pool boy over when I'm gone yeah. hunting. And the funny thing is, we don't have a pool, so I suspect that's the only reason I can spend any money. Yeah. On a, I'd like a weekend yeah. without you here. So <laughs> yeah, out. or several weeks. Anyway, moving on. So, so you, uh, Joe Berg. How did you find uh, Joburg itself when you landed? Because it's fairly different than Kansas. Um. Well, we landed right before sundown. I think we landed at like 5 in the evening, if I remember right. But, so there wasn't a whole lot to see by the time we got all of our stuff. Um, you know, met up with Neil and Neville um, they're right there at the airport. The two-hour drive up to the ranch was – it was in the dark. So didn't get to see a whole lot. They kind of told us, you know, as we went. But, oh, okay. Um, you know, our first real experience was that next morning. Waking up with the sun, so I mean, it was it was great. Okay, because I've spent a couple yeah. nights in Joburg. It's not a pleasant experience, so that'd be interesting. Okay, excellent. So you wound up in the ranch. Tell us, so your your first morning of hunting. Um, first morning of hunting. First morning waking up. I mean, didn't really sleep. I mean, just excited, ready to go. You know, checking, double checking, triple checking all the gear, making sure cameras had batteries, making sure you know your head was in the right place without sleep. Just being used to the different time zone, of course, you know that kind of throw you off. But I wake up the next morning. I think I was up at like four thirty. Nice. You know, Andrew got up shortly after that, and um, the first thing Neil wants to do, which I completely agree with, is you know put arrows down range on a target. So he know you know your your gears on, yeah. and he knows you can shoot. You know that's obviously important for an outfitter you don't want to go you know injuring animals or something needlessly um that first morning i was with neville the ph and andrew went out with neil they went out to a tree stand and the cool thing about these guys they use tree stands just like i use here in kansas um just conventional deer stands hang them anywhere the best places you know they don't have fixed okay they have a couple fixed stands for the most part it's just you know just regular tree stands so that's really cool was it over water holes what, did they put, put them over water holes typically or not? They had water troughs. They had reservoirs uh-huh. because, I mean, it's so dry there. And then they had, like, gravity-fed, feed you know, troughs and stuff. But other than that, I mean, where we on the ranch, I mean, there wasn't that many water holes that had water just because it was so dry. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Okay. Neil did mention that to me, that, that he only has bow hunters out June through August because it's the dry season. Yeah. And that way it's easier to get them in close. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh... It's a different beast out there hunting, for sure. Yeah, so Neville and I go to a blind that is known to have just several different species of animals, and then the rest just takes off from there. Uh, see, first animals that came in were a herd of zebras and a herd of eland. Extremely eye-opening, <laughs> you know, being, in, being a Kansas boy, used to some whitetail yeah. coming in, and then you got these you know, 1,200, <laughs> 1,300-pound animals coming in. I mean, it just blows your mind. 
And, and so with the Eland, because you took an Eland in the end, was that the morning you got your No, Eland, it wasn't actually. Home? You know, that morning, if it was up to me, I would have had an Eland, you know, because, I mean, to me, you know, it didn't matter which one it was, if it was the one-year-old or the three-year-old <laughs> yeah. or the four-year-old. Because they're all big, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean, just insane animals. You know, I'm talking to Neville, and I'm like, man, that, that's got to be a shooter right there. And he's like, nope, not one of these are a shooter. And we got nine or ten of them in front of us. You know, he's like, you'll know when a shooter comes in. He's like, you'll you'll just see it. And so I'm like, okay, you're the you're the guy with the professional in front of your name. You know, I still yeah. didn't believe him, you know, because I'm sitting here looking at these things. And, I mean, they're right at yeah. 20 yards. It's like, man, I could put an Elon down day one. And I, Elon wasn't even on my radar at that point. Next thing comes in was the Impala. And there was a really nice ram. And he's the one that I actually ended up harvesting. So he kind of came in, intermingled with the Elon. And then uh, they cleared out. And then the Impala actually came back in. And I just got a real good shot at him at, like, 24 yards. And he went 20 yards and dropped. So, Fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, with with him, it was actually the muzzy that I used because I knew it was the lighter of the two, and I knew I wouldn't probably wouldn't need that heavy arrow on him. And um, was it just the one ram, or did, was there a, a mob? Oh no, man, there was probably twenty or thirty Impala, a bunch of ewes, and I mean it was it was chaos trying to get a shot. I actually got it on video. At one point, I actually held my draw for a minute and ten seconds just trying to get a shot on this guy. Oh, and you know, during the moment, it didn't, it seemed like 30 seconds, you know, at one point, you know, Neville told me, Hey, draw down, just, just relax. <laughs> as soon as I draw down, of course I get a shot on him. So I'd come back up and end up putting a good shot on him. And, uh, like I said, he went 20 yards and dropped. Uh, and I mean, at all the animals I harvested over there, he was the one that I actually, you know, got what we call buck fever, you know, just shaking. And yeah. I mean, it was the first attempt, yeah. first animal I knew I wanted. I mean, almost got the best of me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's a very common experience for particularly us hunters when they, they come to Africa. We saw it when I was living there it, it, because two things, one, there's such a variety of huntable animals in one yeah. spot compared typically yep. to most spots in the U.S. And also the size and the scale and the beauty, it, it, it is very, very common. So um, I, I was actually going to ask you about that, um, you know, how you handled the buck fever. Did you get it? And Because um, I remember the first time I drew back on a, it was a Niala. Yeah. And this was years ago before I lived there. And I swear, I I think I was basically getting Parkinson's disease. Oh, it's Man, horrible. I, I was fucking, I could hear my heart. I could feel it. I, it was awful. I had to put the bow down and kind of relax, and then I was able to shoot. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm not surprised that you had. Yeah, and, I, and did that settle down as you hunted the rest of the time? Yeah, uh, you know, and you, you talked about you know the size, the the amount of species. And, you know, people here in Kansas have been asking me, man, how was it? I hunted Kansas whitetail for a bunch of years now, and you know, here in the states, a good mature whitetail buck. I mean, it's one of the hardest animals to hunt. You know, free range wise, and. uh you know the senses and and you certainly got some big ones in kansas oh yeah yeah i love it can't be a better place for whitetail i'm gonna have to make a special trip over just to a whitetail hunt with you yeah yeah i mean we got a lot of public land that has a lot of big big bucks that sounds you couldn't be a better place what you're gonna need for steve up is you got to make sure so when you drug the animal (laughs) and tie it to the stake it doesn't it doesn't get away before you can shoot well that's where the petting zoo comes in (laughs) Yeah, well, good. So start him off at the petting zoo. So let's talk, about the, let's talk about the petting zoo for a minute. <laughs> so getting back to Africa. Africa. So uh, so what was next? So you, you got the Impala. Um, yeah. So, so uh, like that first day. Is that so right? the way the, the promotion uh, went, you know, we were able to um, do three small planes game and one large plane game. And, you know, there was a set list due to the promotion. Um, just a super awesome deal. 
And originally my goal was an Impala, a Bleasbuck, and a Warthog. That that was my yep. three small and then a Blue Wildebeest for my uh, large. And then I knew that if I got a shot on a Kudu, I would add that animal because a Kudu is just an awesome animal and it's a Kudu. Yep. Not many people get, get a chance to harvest a Kudu with a bow. Mm-hmm. And yours is beautiful. I love yeah, it. It's yeah. A, it's a so, uh, and, and Neil knew that, you know, Neil and I had been talking for about six months and he knew that a kudu was my goal animal, you know, outside the plant hunt. So, uh, he'd actually sent me a couple trail cam photos of this monster kudu, you know, just a couple of days prior to us getting there. And I was like, yep, that works for me, man. If it's a shootable animal and, you know, in Neil's words, you know, he would shoot that kudu Monday to Monday. So I'm like, man, obviously a shooter, but, uh, <laughs> we go back out that evening. Um, neither of us harvesting any animals, um, good evening hunt, but the weather was just uncooperative for the most part the whole time we we're down there. But, so we go out that next morning, Neil says the weather's going to be good for the kudu stand is what he calls it. And this is where, okay. um, typically, you know, he had, had that kudu come in and he thought it might be a good opportunity. You know, for those that don't know, the kudu is called the gray ghost. It's called the Grey Ghost for a reason. I mean, yep. you know, the way it, and Neil and Neville's, you know, words, the hardest animal to actually bow hunt, you know, to actually mm. hunt in Africa just because yeah. of the senses. Um, I mean, just yeah. out, out of this world. So uh, here we are sitting in this stand. Uh, we had about 20 in, and Paula come in around behind us, had a real nice ram. You know, I had an opportunity to harvest another ram if he came in. So I'm watching them. They kind of disappear. And then we have a real young ram come in you know, to the water hole. And at this point he's like, well, probably 14, 15 yards. You know, we're, we're doing typical tree stand activities, you know, looking at the phone and stuff like that, you know, cause you, you're sitting there and not seeing yeah. anything, not hearing anything. And Neil and I look up and there's a young kudu bull at like 12 yards before we even knew he was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, these animals are just yeah. insane, but, uh, that's not, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. and you look up, there's nothing. You look down, look back up and there he's standing there. I mean, they're so quiet. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy. So sitting there trying not to get busted by this little guy. And here comes this big bull from the same direction. He's at like 20 yards. And now I'm completely froze. Neil's in the tree stand up and above, like behind me filming. And, uh, you know, so now I know that, man, this is a really big kudu for me, but is it a shooter? You know, I don't know that. Um, so now I got this young Impala, this young Kudu and this mature Kudu at within 24 yards, all three of them. And I'm trying not to get busted. So I slowly look back to Neil and his eyes are like the big, as big as volleyballs. And he says, yes. So I just turn back around fair for a shot. You know, he's kind of whispering me through it, you know, kind of coaching me through the actual shot because it's different than, you know, shooting whitetail. And, you know, at that point, I'm about mid-draw. The young kudu kind of spots me, you know, kind of bounces back. Bounces back. I'm, you know, my heart rate goes up. Yeah. And all I hear is Nail is saying, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. <laughs> so I pulled the draw and his yeah. head's still down and, you know, released a uh, VPA two blade. Hit him right, right in the money spot. He, uh, he went about 80 yards and mm. just put my hands on that animal was just, insane knowing that was my i mean that was my dream come true right there that's excellent uh, you know we didn't we didn't rush in and 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 try to find him i mean just because we didn't want to spook him if it was kind of a back shot or anything you know actually checked the arrow found the arrow found good blood and uh called in called in the posse and 
Neil's brother came out and helped us track. And I mean, he went 80 yards and was done. And, uh, he ended up Fantastic. being a 47 inch kudu. So, I mean, yeah, real nice. nice. That's not a bad, um, not a bad touch. You know, yeah, yeah. Three inches away from 50, which is not three inches when they're measuring those things is not much at all. Um, you know, when you yeah. factor in the bases, I mean, he had, he had one base that was 11 inches. I mean, just a great mass on him. So, uh, yeah. Well, Steve, Steve, showed me the yeah. uh, photo on his phone cause he must yeah. have it. So, and the, the only question I had was, um, did you get the chance to remove the ear tag before the photo? Cause I didn't see yeah, that. Well, well, no, <laughs> when we walked, when we walked in, Neil actually had them all chained up. So we, we just fed him, Good. fed him, <laughs> read him his rights and then, you know, dealt with him later. But, That's it. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. See, that's now you're getting the true sense. Oh, of Africa. yeah. I mean, you know, it's high fence. You know, everything's high fence. So, I mean, that's everybody's thoughts on that's Africa. It. That's it. You know, which, I mean, after my that's experience, it. I mean, could not be more wrong. I mean, especially with red sand safaris. I mean, I we hunted super, super hard for those four and a half days. I mean, I, we were wore out. I mean, just from hunting and, yeah. and trying to get quality shots. I mean, you know, you just like hunting here in kansas some days you see them some days you don't and i think i think you've touched on a really good point where i think there's a couple of misconceptions about hunting africa yeah but one that yeah. it's horrendously expensive which no. actually isn't true and particularly in the it's Australian not, it's, it's 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 cheaper than a pig hunt in yeah, the nt yeah that's right or so, up in the cape and um and the also the views that it's all canned now in south africa a lot of the properties are farm yeah. fence because they're farms but a lot of those fences are really more about yeah, exactly, and protecting the land. Than, than from what I learned, in, and they're huge, um, land, right? Yeah, we're actually gonna we're actually be talking about that with Neil later. That's yeah. actually one of the questions that we've already discussed. <laughs> is that he said that all of South Africa is high fences, but it's not because. Well, of and, that. and and I mean just yeah, to, to keep the hit on, on that real briefly, you know, every time we stepped in the gate of a high fence, quote unquote area, you're stepping onto three thousand acres. You're not stepping on to, you yeah. know, okay, it's yeah. a 20-acre I mean, high fence. Which animal do I want to shoot? It's yeah. nothing like that at all. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, not. I would submit to you there are, ranch, there, there are ranches in Texas that are much oh, less absolutely. fair absolutely. than anything in Africa. I mean, and there, and there is right. absolutely so, no way yeah. anybody in Texas, anybody anywhere can replicate what they do down there. No, I agree. Absolutely agree. So fantastic, mate. So um, did you get your warthog? I ended up not getting a shot on a warthog. Um, that was the only animal that I didn't get to harvest that, uh, you know, I had on my list. Um, we had several sows come in, a real small boar, but, I mean, nothing of shooting quality, which I'm not upset about that at all. Did you get a chance to eat any warthog when you were there? Um, I don't think warthog. We had some impala and some other game, but not warthog. Because that's my favorite game, and I, I'm always interested in people who've had it, um, how they feel about it. Because it, it just, because we were able to knock one over, or a client that knocked one over and had that backstrap yeah. that day. And oh, I'm sure it was, I'll yeah. tell you what, it was just, it was lovely. It was absolutely yep. lovely. So so tell us about your, your big one. The okay, so uh, uh, yeah. we fast forwarded the night of day four, which was the last full day we had to hunt. Um, by then, you know, I'd already got my, uh, went out and got a blaze buck. Um, you know, that was a real quick hunt. And then fast forward to the afternoon, you know, I was ready to sit all day, you know, trying to find a blue wildebeest. That was my goal for the day. So we went back out to the blind where I had previously shot my Impala on day one. And, you know, we're sitting there, sitting there. And we were probably, me and Neville probably put in three or four hours in that blind, you know, and 
not seeing anything, you know, nothing. Actually, we, I think we had some giraffes that had walked by, but, you know, that was it. You know, next thing I know, I kind of look up and here's a blue wildebeest coming in. And by this point, I'm ready to shoot whatever, you know, just so I said, I, I can say I shot a blue wildebeest. Um, but, you know, Neville, being, being the professional that he is, you know, he, he kept talking me down, talking me down, wanting to put me on a good animal, you know, and that's what Neil and Neville are just awesome about, you know, ensuring that, you know, you're shooting the best one that you can. So, uh, you know, fast forward, we got probably 30 or 40 blue wildebeest, 15 giraffe all in this one gaggle. And I'm just like, oh, my God, you know what? <laughs> me and Neville are sitting here trying to talk on. What do I shoot? Yeah, yeah trying to, he's trying to talk me on to a bull, you know, and I'm looking like, I don't know, you know, out of these blinds, you're not seeing the same thing. So, so finally he gets me talked on and pulled the shot on the, the, uh, the bull wild, blue wildebeest. I got super nice blue wildebeest, uh, 20 yards. And I hit him with a VPA as well. So, you know, we're sitting there and the wildebeest kind of hang off. They push off, you know, obviously with the shot and they, they're not quite sure what happened. So they kind of push off, everything kind of settles back down. And then Neville, who's sitting over at the right side of the stand, he looks at me and he's like, big Eland. You know, he just kind of mouths it to me. And I'm like, oh, man, we'll uh, kind of back up, not to backtrack too much. But that morning, this big Eland that I ended up harvesting had come in. And I, I had my heart set for a blue wildebeest. So I wasn't going to shoot an Eland. I didn't, it wasn't on my radar still. But Neil... This thing was in front of us for 45 minutes, and I had Neil mm -hmm. trying to get me to shoot that thing for 45 minutes straight. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. I don't know what held you <laughs> up, buddy. I, because I'm I wanted a blue wildebeest. Um, yeah, fair I, enough. Trying, fair enough. I, I was still You're trying focused. to talk myself into you know buying another animal on top of the kudu, <laughs> or more importantly, how I was going to sell it to my wife. Um, and yeah, well, that's yeah, the Neil and I had this whole plan. I mean, while this thing was standing in front of us, he's like, well, you shoot it. Just don't say anything until you get the crate. And then here's the, you know, Eland head and be like, where'd that come from? That's easy, you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, Neil went as far as standing at the back of the blind, picking my bow up and showing me exactly how easy it would be to shoot this thing. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I held out, wow, held out, geez. and I got some pictures of them. So fast forward now, um, got the blue wildebeest on the ground that evening. And here's Neville saying, oh, my God, here's this big, big Elon bull coming in. Well, it turns out to be the exact same bull. And he wanted me to shoot he him. I mean, it was just, that. it was destiny. So um, Neville, Neville, you know, him and I had seen more Elon together than Neil and I had. And, Neville just looked at me and says, you remember when I said you'll know a big bull when you see one? This is him. And uh, this is an Elon bull that they hadn't seen previously. You know, big mature one that, you know, got that big for a reason. But, uh, you know, I thought about it for about two and a half minutes. And, you know, I looked look down at the bow wow. and the only thing I had left. <coughs> was that the longest two and a half was, minutes of your Because, I mean, I still had these zebras out there. I still had these wildebeest out there. And then he had this like monster of a dinosaur animal standing in front of me. I, I told him, I was like, it's going down. I'm doing this. So I knocked another arrow and this one just happened to be my, my last muzzy drew back, put it in him. And, uh, you know, mind you, by this time, it's like 12 minutes before sundown. I mean, not the ideal time to shoot an Elon. I mean, I had plenty of shooting light, mm. but you know, an Elon for everybody that doesn't know is what they said, the hardest animal yeah. to actually kill 
in South Africa. I mean, just just beyond very yeah, very um, tough animals. Very what they had, what they had said previously. Yeah. The um, previous four that had been harvested with them, one before me, about two weeks before me, was shot broadside with a 308. I mean, just bad bad luck, and they never found that animal. Um, and then the one prior to that wow. was shot four times with a 240 grain eight millimeter Mauser, four times before it actually Jeez. you know expired. Um, and here I am with my little muzzy 125 grain, you know, 12 minutes before shooting lights up. And so I think I had Neville worried and then seeing the look on his face, then I had myself worried like, man, what did I just do? You know, did I have a good shot? You start replaying everything instantly. Um, you know, just the way everything developed, yeah. we ended up not having, you know, the footage. We didn't end up getting those two uh, animals on footage, but, uh, so we didn't have anything to review. We gave it about 30 minutes, went out, found the blue wildebeest walked over to the truck, went over and picked up Andrew, Neil, and Andrew got a blue wildebeest that night. So super good night for us. But uh, so we went and picked them up. And I mean, at this point, we hadn't told him that I shot him, knew we had a wildebeest on the ground, already laid hands on it. And oh, by the way, you know, it's late in the evening now. It's really dark and we have to go find an Eatlin. <laughs> we hadn't even told him that. So I told it, you know, we got Andrew's put in the truck and I said, Hey man, congratulations. I'm going to go pick up my wildebeest and look for my Elon. And Andrew's jaw just dropped. Boom. He's like, what are you serious? I mean, he was happy. He's like, man, nice. that's awesome. Great night. So, uh, we head back over to my blind and by then, you know, Neville and I, before we'd left, we'd actually already found the arrow that we'd hit. I hit the Elon with found a blood trail to the road where it crossed. And that's where we left it. Just so we kind of had an idea where it crossed the road at. Yeah. So we head back over to the blind, load up my wildebeest and then pull out the headlamps, um, and start tracking this evening. Mind you, the wildebeest went like 70 yards. Um, so, you know, good kills all the way up till then hit back on the trail. We'd actually put the arrow in the ground where we knew the trail ended at the road, picked up the trail and then probably another 40 yards or so we came across really good pools of blood. And 20 yards after that, there's a dead Elon. Um, they, they both, they both said that, uh, that was the first through and through with an arrow they'd ever seen on an Elon, um, which is a, I mean, wow, you know, those things are like four foot wide. I mean, you know, most people are like, Oh, that's because of the superior ballistics. Of your I don't arrow. know his superior luck, <laughs> but, uh, just trying to toot my own horn yeah. just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, it, you know, it ended up being uh, that, and then uh, that was the first Elon out of five that had, you know, been killed with one shot. So, um, and the other four were with rifle. So, I mean, that tells you a little bit. But, uh, yeah, this thing ended up going like 120 yards. When uh, Nell and I actually walked out on the road, we'd only walked like 40 yards from it, didn't even know it. Yeah, just laying hands on that thing, I mean, and just walking up, I mean, you know, every hunt's emotional to some extent. You know, some of them don't show as much, but man, that that was an emotional point. I mean, yeah, the sheer size of that animal just... They're magnificent creatures, man. No, I saw the footage. I've seen the footage of you walking up to that. And um, I got to tell you, it touched my heart a little bit. Just a little bit. He's crying. Steven's crying right now. He's a blubbering mess, man. Yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. As soon as I, sh I laid hands on the animal, I shed a few yeah, tears. I mean, it's it hard was just, to, just overcome with the emotion. I mean, just being successful. You know, everything I'd learned about that animal, just, you know, and seeing it that morning, seeing just just knowing everything I knew at that point about that animal. Um, and then 
you don't really get a respect for how big it is until you you stand by that thing. Yeah. And um, Neil actually just a couple weeks ago told me that they ended up getting 700 pounds of meat off that thing yeah. alone. Wow. And, and what you know, you know, that's that, too bad you can't bring the meat back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine yeah. how many chest a, freezers you'd have to freezer. buy? <laughs> yeah. You'd have to have like six or seven of them in the shed. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and what's amazing about Eland um, is how athletic they are. I mean, they can jump an eight-foot fence, and you think any, oh, yeah. anything that can yeah. shift that much weight over an eight-foot fence yeah. is pretty bloody impressive. Yeah, yeah. Because we had them. Yeah, because I mean, this thing is. I mean, standing, this thing was like seven foot at the back. It's nuts, is it? I mean, it, it's people don't understand, and I didn't understand it. And even looking at my videos, looking at my pictures now, it doesn't do it justice. You know, I, I watched probably six hours of YouTube videos before I went, just watching shot placement, watching how the lay, the layout of things, and it, none of it prepared me mm. yeah. for, for what I experienced. Yeah. Now, look, look, you correct me if I'm wrong, but if I remember right, the conversation went something like this. Andrew had camera in his hand yep. saying, what did you do? What did you yeah, do? That was, and then, That was actually Neville. Yeah, that was that actually was? Neville. Yeah. yeah, he said, what have you done? Um, and then you yeah. kind of came up in, with, with kind of tears in your eyes and like, I've just killed a monster. <laughs> Yeah, I've shot a monster. Yeah. I mean, oh, man. you know, and that was me. That was literally, you know, and it was kind of cool how it played out. Um, you know, we came up on the pools of blood, and, I mean, there's a little bit of, you know, lung blood in it. So I was like, okay, that's a good good sign. It happened to be just – it happened to be me that looked up and saw him. Mm. I mean, 40 yards, and, you know, saw him under the headlamp, and I just pointed him out. And i got to remind you guys, I mean, obviously Neil and Neville and I had never met before this you know this hunt but also andrew you know so there's four hunters out here in the middle of the woods sundown looking for an animal we lay eyes on this animal and i mean there was hugs high fives i mean just sheer emotion passed around you know in that that first minute after seeing him on the ground it didn't matter who you know who released the arrow but we all felt the same that's crazy man that's a magical moment that's a yeah, and, and that's the moment we shared, you know, with this this hunt. And it is actually kind of funny because Andrew, I think, on his Instagram had shared a picture of him and I with this yeah. this Eland, and he actually said it. You know, he said uh, some of the biggest hunts I've ever been on, and th this one I didn't even, you know, harvest the animal, but it'll be one of the biggest ones that I remember. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and I mean, yeah. just to kind of put it in perspective, um, this Eland actually qualified for SCI silver. Oh, okay. So, I mean, just big. I mean, yeah. monster, monster animal. And again, my view on this one is I always I always looked at it as, is it a good representative of the species, right? Rather than, yeah. you know, SCI qualifying. But either way, it's really about the experience that, 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 that you went through to get the animal. And it sounds to me like it was quite transformative for you as well as a, you know, special. Yeah. Right? It, it, it's, it's probably impacted you. And I suspect it will impact your hunting in ways you haven't thought about down the road. Because that was my experience the first time I went to Africa. Oh, yeah. Is it and, changed I mean, just, the way I hunted here as well? So yeah, absolutely. Just to briefly hit on that, you're yeah. talking about your change in perspective. Um, I did a couple short videos, you know, the whole time I was there. We'd do something in the morning, do something in the evening, you know. And then my last morning, 
I kind of did just Neil dropped me off at this tree stand, went to park the truck, and I did just a real quick little clip, you know, on my phone, just talking about, you know, kind of just kind of reviewing the past days, and I kind of hit on that, you know, this forever changed my mentality of hunting, you know, and I hadn't even harvested that eland at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, that, that was the last morning. That, so I'd harvested him that night before. I stand corrected. But uh, it, it, exactly what you said. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite special. And uh, yeah. it, it's, I'm glad to hear that it wasn't just me. I mean, obviously, I've known other hunters that have gone to trouble the same way. And I'm, I'm glad you're talking about that. Because I think that I try to get people in Australia to go. And there's a, a couple of different mindsets in Australia that are probably different than American hunters. But part of it is... It will just change the way you think. And that's always a, a special thing, right? Yeah, so, oh, absolutely. Excellent, excellent. Now, just a quick question for you. Did, did, did I remember right that you guys had some customs issues? No, or, no. Or airport, uh, or airport issues or something? No, that no. was me about the cocaine going to New York. Oh, that was you. Sorry. Yeah, that was right, it, it could have been Bob. It could have been Bob <laughs> sorry, with his stabilizer sorry. filled with cooking oil. Yeah. <laughs> haven't, you watched, haven't you watched Blow before? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. But uh, no, uh, everything was fluid for us. Yeah, I was just going to say, because um, oftentimes with bows, it's less problematic. I know a lot of guys have issues with guns coming in particularly to... Yeah. Well, I know currently they're having a lot of issues with guys who are taking their bows overseas in Australia and coming back. Yeah, yeah. And when they get here, they're getting hassled by customs here. Okay. Because uh, well, I just heard a story very recently um, about somebody who came through and that they thought the broadheads were explosive yeah that's <laughs> yeah because they Too have no rainbow. idea yeah. yeah yeah that's it and so they're like oh they're explosive so you can't have them they're you're they're listed and we're gonna have to put you in prison and blah 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 blah. Yeah. That's they, had up, strange. they ended up calling the cops cops ended up coming thankfully one of the cops was also a bow hunter and he's like that is because just good stop laughing yeah. but the thing is is there's just it's just not a thing here people don't understand yeah. it people don't know and they're scared of what they don't know yeah. yeah, it's not like being in the states where even if you're an anti-hunter, you you, you know, know what hunting is. is. Right? Yeah, you, yeah, you're not a moron. Yeah. You know. So 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 let me ask you then, and I'm sure you've probably been asked this. I'm assuming you'd go again. Oh, absolutely. I'm already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went over with that with that hunt. You know, with the mindset of this is a once in a lifetime hunt. I'm gonna make the best of it, and I'll have memories forever. Um, day two, Andrew and I woke up and we're like, <laughs> we're we're coming back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's and and it. I, I, I mean, after my experience with Neil and Neville at Red Sands, I, I won't go back with anybody else. I mean, that's just how awesome they yeah. are. Cool. Now, let me ask you the flip side of this question because I I'm always interested. What what didn't you like? Not necessarily about Red Sands because it sounds like they were pretty switched on. But what didn't you like about the experience? What was the thing that kind of either disappointed you or it was too quick. You in a way you didn't expect. <laughs> Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. That's all right. No, honestly, uh, I could not. I mean, to answer your question honestly, I cannot think of a single thing that that disappointed me about the hunt. Um, Fantastic. You know, and that's, I mean, that's, that's, you know, a lot of people would be like, experience. "Oh man, that flight's so long." You know, I've flown those flights a long time, so that didn't bother me at all. You know. Yeah. But uh, well, given your career, you, yeah, that would have done. Yeah, I'm actually a bit concerned about the flight from here when I go over. Because I didn't look to see how long. Those are like 36-hour flights from here. Typically, you go via London from here. Or if you go via the U.S., you go via New York. Yeah. Yeah. 36-hour <laughs> flights from Australia. Yeah. Yeah, because where we go. Because I was or, looking at my flights. Well, no, actually, no, you can there. go out of Perth direct. But that's a pretty long haul from Perth to Joburg. 
So, yeah, you, so yeah. you're better off taking the break, to be honest. But um, so in terms of, I guess the um, the the species that are on your your list now, now that you've seen a, a wide variety of them, you've taken obviously your goal animals. What's your next set of goal um, animals? Well, with my things that you're. Um, Elon and Makudu, I'm halfway there to the Spyro Slam, so uh, Niala nice. will be next, and then I yeah. get one animal after that. But uh, a Gimsbach, they didn't have them on the concessions. Yeah. Um, but he said in the next two years they plan on having them, so a Gimsbach definitely, definitely on the list. All right, can I correct you? Can I be? A, can I correct you for a minute? It's Gimsbach. Okay. You got to say it right if you're going to hunt it out of South Africa. If you hunt it out of Texas, you can call it whatever you want. Because they got tons of them there, but it's Hemsbuck and they're beautiful animals. We were yeah, just, fortunate to take one. Beautiful lilac kind of fur. Like if you yeah. get, my advice is we get one, get it mounted. Get I got a European mount, and the big regret that I have is that it doesn't reflect the beauty. No, every, every so, animal I got is down animals, there right now, getting ready for shoulder mounts. I'm not being skimpy on that. Nice. No, no, no. That's it's a great that's a great outcome. So what kind of what kind of pricing were you looking at for the the the, the mounts at the moment? No, no, no. Um, I haven't even talked to the tax service just because it's a high season down there, and we ran out of time with it being a, such, such a short hunt. Neil actually transferred everything over. They're skinning everything or tanning everything out right now, um, and I should be able to talk Love to him. It. But probably, I mean, for five animals, and I mean, two really, really large animals, I'm looking at probably about three grand, thirty-five hundred to get them back here to the U.S. finished. It sounds no, I mean bad. I've got whitetail, yeah. you know my my wall right now that cost me five hundred bucks. So an eland that yeah. you know I can fit my yeah. whitetail <laughs> in for seven hundred fifty eight hundred bucks. Yeah. I'm not worried about that. Uh, yeah, now, yeah. did you go to the taxidermy place? Did you actually no, go? No, we had planned on it, but no? um, that came, that was after day three, and nobody had harvested an animal. So Neil was wa- wanting to get on <laughs> animals. Um, so yeah, yeah we, I mean it was a short. It was only a four and a half day hunt, so I mean it was very very quick. Because yeah. one of the things that's amazing there is because labor is relatively cheap there, and I, I'm sure you would have had staff all around taking care of laundry and, and 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 skinning and all that stuff. One of the most amazing things I've seen was a taxidermist in the yeah. Eastern Cape that had about I reckon I reckon fifty to sixty yep. employees, and it was amazing. It was oh, like absolutely. an assembly line. Like one part did the cleaning of the skins, the next part fitted them, the next part that did the eyes. The next, so. The amazing thing, if you get a chance, I don't know if, if we can talk to Neil about this, is to actually get footage of your animal being mounted. Yeah, like process, that. Yeah. It, it's actually quite an amazing process. That when we went there, some Russians had shot a couple of lions and some elephants, and they were getting full. I mean, I'm sure they were gangsters because they were getting full body mounts. And no, the whole process by, by which they did it was it. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. They knew Hillary. Or in collusion with Trump, no matter which end of your politics that. are, yeah. right? But um, but but it, what was amazing about it was was it reminded me of the videos I've seen when yeah. they built planes. Like I've seen I've, through my work, I've been able to kind of watch yeah. the manufacturing processes, and it was just no, incredible. They definitely got the process you know, one group of guys did. It's insane, mate. If you ever if you can get Neil to do it, it it's actually quite yeah. amazing to watch, right? So, to that's see, awesome. And how they bring it to life, and you think, wait, that's the animal I shot, but shit, it took. You know, 50 people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I saw that on several of the videos um, that I watched on YouTube. So I kind of have an understanding of that and, you know, without having firsthand. But um, not to get off topic, but go back to my kudu. The cool thing about that kudu is that it was actually the one that Neil had previously sent me a picture of. So, yeah. So, I mean, super, super cool. Wow. I mean, we were able to identify it from uh, kind of a worn off tip. So you've got... 
So you've got you've got some yeah yeah trail cam photos, which is nice. And I've seen I've seen I'm sure the they one, didn't have the leash on in the trail cam photos. I've seen the photo that was taken from from the blind um, before the shot. I've seen that one. That's a great shot. Yeah, I actually, I actually, that was a that was a uh, a still shot oh, of the it? video. I'd actually uh, just kind of played with it while I was there, um, and you know, I got the one right before the arrow left, and then I actually got the one where the my luminox illuminated. So there's kind of a red streak going towards the kudu. Nice, nice. That's excellent. And I mean, in terms of, I guess, the hunt, the international hunting bug, because one of the things I see with a lot of Americans that um, I talk to, you know, when I go back to the U.S. from time to time, is if they haven't been to Africa or overseas, they generally kind of have a view of, no, no, I'm happy just hunting here. I hunt my whitetail. I got my favorite stand. I do, you know, the rest right, of it. Right, right. And then that, then the Americans that I know that do hunt generally get a bit of a bug to hunt again. So you've talked about going back to Africa. Have you thought about hunting anywhere else in the world? Have you done any kind of research into South America or Eastern Europe or Oceania? Um, not necessarily in the, anywhere in the world. I want to go back to Alaska and, and be successful okay. up there. Um, you know, I actually lived up there a couple of years with the army and, uh, you know, it, the army schedule and the hunting schedule just didn't work very well. So, uh, other than South Africa, I mean, there's really not, I mean, cause you get out into like the, the stands for some big Rams or something, you know, those get really pricey out there. Yeah. So, you know, knowing, knowing what I can do in South Africa for the amount yeah. of, uh, money involved. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, hard it's, to it's eat, good. You know? It's a good I mean, value go for down there. Absolutely good value for it. You know, to put it all in perspective, you know, I, I went down there. And I know not every hunter is successful, you know, and lucky enough to do five animals in four days. But, um, and even adding those two animals, you know, I had less money in five animals by the time I get them all back and mm-hmm. done with the hunt than, you know, going out to Colorado here in the U.S. for a guided elk hunt, you know. And I, and I mean, you might not even, you might not even see an elk, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Living overseas, we, um, we, we tend to look into hunting in a lot of countries, mostly just because we live overseas. So we're, we're more into yeah. Yeah, we're probably looking into feasible. that than you guys are. Um, but yeah, if you ever, you ever want to come around and do like a New Zealand hunt. Man, I was going to say, if you're shot. into deer, man. Yeah. Red, red stag would, red stag would definitely and they're not, be awesome. We got stags here as well. Yeah. Yeah, the, the red stags yeah. are a little bigger in New Zealand, but we've got a fair. But it's not New Zealand, the landscape and everything. <laughs> yeah, it's a very different, diff, very different landscape, yeah. different kind of hunting as well. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's yeah, like it for us, like for from where we are, it's it's like if you catch a good sale, we can get round trip tickets from where we are for three hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, and there's yeah, there's, exactly. there's there's no um, there's no <laughs> hunting license there. Yeah, unless you're using a yep. rifle, and then it's fifty bucks. So you're laughing. Yeah. But, but given you're like an army, you're a military kind of real man kind of bloke, right? Yeah, yeah. Get them up north, man. Get them in the territory. Yeah, yeah. We'll sort them up, out. You know, up in the northern territories, you got to know somebody unless you're yeah. going to pay a ton of money to yeah. hunt. But but that's the bad thing about hunting in Australia yeah. is there's there is no real public land to hunt in the majority of yeah. it. You got to pay um, to play. You got to pay to well, play. Or, you or, pay or worse, play. worse actually, you have to know the hunter and he has to let you on. He may not charge you, but. You know, if he's let his cousins, nephews, mates on for years, yeah, he won't you let have you to know, like, know people. Yeah, to know yeah. people. At least, pe- at least if you pay, you can get on, right? But it took uh, but, me. But yeah, it took me on. six years to get a place to hunt in this country. Yeah, that's yeah. That's about happen. about the average. Yeah, yeah. most people, most people, better, most people say eight. Luckier, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you were over, you were over in New New South Z- Wales. New South Wales, mm-hmm. a little different scene there. And they have. Some, but yeah, no. But in terms of experience, it'd be interesting to get because again, I think because clearly you're fit, you've been in tough situations. I think, you know, a week in the territory or in Cape York, which is for your benefit, Josh, it's the pointy bit 
at the top right yeah. side. A fantastic yep. pig hunting up there, feral bull. Right on. You've, there, there's nothing quite okay. like hunting a feral bull, right? A, a mm. wild a wild bull. You got to um, listen to our previous podcast, because right, we talk about a lot of this that, stuff. That's, uh, yeah, so, it's, <laughs> so mate, we'll get you down here. But in the meantime, um, it's, I, I'd encourage you to go back to Africa as soon as you can. As soon as the missus gives you the... The, uh, the okay, man. Oh, yeah. There's nothing yeah. quite well, like Well, the other thing definitely. is, if you guys ever want to come hunt Australia or New Zealand, you know, you come bring the wife if you want and leave the wife. No, no, no don't bring the wife. Let, let's, not, let's not play around. <laughs> <laughs> don't right bring on. your wife. She'll understand. Yeah, well, I've, well, actually, <laughs> I've actually got a real good friend that's been to uh, New Zealand, and him and his wife both bow hunt. Both got awesome, awesome two red stags each. Um, but, uh, He's got a pretty cool connection down there. Um, Did you see Marty's? Yeah, yeah. That thing is huge. Yeah, insane. At the risk of being slightly negative, the only risk you got with New Zealand, depending on where you go, and you talk about cantons, there's a couple of places where, yeah, you can get like a 380-point red stag. The thing is that it's been genetically modified, and basically you can yeah. pet it first. Yeah. Like you, you got to kind of make sure you go into free range there, because yeah, there's the only some, part of that. Yeah. No, but in New Zealand, it's, it's there's cool so site. much. There's so much public hunting land. Yeah, yeah and they're yeah. And it, they're pro hunting in New Zealand, unlike here. And, They've um, even got yeah. species. Uh, uh, Stewart Island has whitetail. Now yeah, the yeah. whitetail there look pathetic compared to. Well, they've the got they've got Canada and geese as well. Canadian geese, yeah. 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 But, but, but I've, seen pictures, I've seen pictures of white I'm going to cut you off there, Island. Goody. It's What's that? Canadian yeah. geese. What did I say? You said Canadian. I say what I want to yeah, say. It's anyway, the point being, <laughs> um, the white tail that are on Stewart Island look like like the, like a, a malnourished Kansas mm. doe. <laughs> like it's like a, a Texas deer then. Uh, well, yeah, or a Connecticut deer. Right? Like, I mean, they yeah. look really pathetic, but it's kind yeah. of interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's one of the South Pacific Grand Slams is yeah. to get the... The white tail, I think. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but there, there's not a single species on New Zealand that is actually native, correct? No, no, no there no. isn't. And, and the same thing with Australia. Not, not huntable species. Yeah, anyway. the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. The the native game in I think some of, I think you can do some native bird shooting in New Zealand, but the native game there is all introduced, or the native game is unhuntable, and the huntable game is introduced. The same thing with Australia. So the so we've got right six on. six species of deer in Australia: the pigs, goat, feral goat. Buffalo, Wolves, all, all have all been introduced. Have all been introduced. Yeah. Fox, the whole bit. Yeah. So, yeah, but but Fair in enough. a weird way, that and that's actually, all we're allowed to hunt here. Yeah, because I personally think we should be allowed to hunt kangaroo because there's so many of them. Yeah. But it's yeah. it's a protected species. They taste delicious, by the way. I dislike them. I um, think they taste like a rodent because well, they are. I I think they're delicious. But and, big, and there's big some rodents. there's some debate about allowing crocodile hunting, saltwater crocodiles because would well, that be great? Because that yeah, that would, would be, be the cool. only native native animal that you could that you'd be able to hunt but and the, and and the funny thing is they they were protect, historically protected because farmers would kill them they were yeah protected and the population has gone kabunta like it has been insane and now there's talk about doing it to give the indigenous people who own a lot of that land a revenue source right and yeah. the greenies are kind of against it as you can imagine but of course a lot they of the farmers are against say, shit everything. if i could yeah, if I could get somebody to pay me fifteen grand to hunt a crocodile, I mean, he'd hand feed these bloody things, right? <laughs> I mean, he'd put them in a swimming pool and wait for the hunters to come. Like it, it's right. nuts, right? It, it's a, it's a, an insane debate. But anyway, I've got one last question for you. Yeah, with your upcoming hunt, I mean, because you're coming into season. Are you in season now, or are you uh, not two quite? weeks? This two weeks. You're, you you excited? You ready for for whitetail? 
Yeah, absolutely. You can't. Because I don't know about you. I'm 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 originally from Michigan, so yeah. whitetail is my passion, which we yeah, don't. Yeah, you have can't here. not be excited for a Kansas whitetail. Your stands all up, yeah. Oh, I got several stands up. I don't know if you saw that buck that I had actually pictures of. Um, I did on the, on the trail. Yeah, camp. you know he's just a young one right now. I'm watching. I mean. You know, a lot of out-of-state guys would be like, oh, I'm going to shoot that deer. And, I mean, he's only like a two- or three-year-old deer, so I'm going to watch him. But just having him in that camera is good because if he's there, there's going to be more there during the rut. So. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just excited and see what this season brings. Actually, uh, I've actually got three more hunts this year. So i got Kansas whitetail, Kansas mule deer. Um, i got a four-day hunt in the end of November I didn't for realize that. it was mule deer in Kansas. Yeah, out west. we got some monster, monster mule deer. Wow. I, uh, I um, interesting. Yeah. And then uh, I've actually got one other hunt, and it's kind of funny, but I don't have a clue what species or where it's going to be. So, um, <laughs> so what you're saying is your wife has said you can have another hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, actually, uh, I actually got recommended to this hunt by a, a veteran buddy of mine, and then the uh, the organization that's putting it on actually selected me for it. So um, I just haven't awesome. figured, figured out the details of it yet. So, yeah. So, hey, Josh, uh, that's all the time we got for today. So thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate everything that you've done and all the chatting and telling us about your Africa hunt. And your service to uh, to the U.S. Thank you for your service, sir. Ah, no big deal, guys. And, and um, look forward to the videos from your next petting zoo hunt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> well, that? I, I'm, it's actually kind of hard to edit. Um, I'm actually in the process. I got about a 30-minute video that I've put together, and I'm not a film editor, so actually – you know, spotting out those chains and, and ropes is kind of difficult. Yeah, that, you might want to get some professional help for that. Yeah. Right? Well, I, see, I always find it's it's the brass, the bells. Yeah, yeah, and they stand text. out. It's There's always weird. a glare. It's hard to Photoshop on video. Yeah. 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 It just, uh. Excellent, mate. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's it. All right, you have a good one, mate. Yeah, buddy, you too.